Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female-driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques, and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life doing what we love. Let's get started. Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast. I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, and today we have Katie Dean on the podcast with us. Katie Dean is the founder and designer of her jewelry line, Katie Dean Jewelry. She started her line as a side passion project in a closet under the stairs and has grown it to be her full-time career. Focusing on dainty, feminine pieces, Katie loves to make her customers feel beautiful inside and out. Her pieces have been seen on celebrities such as Shay Michelle, Kylie, and Kendall Jenner, Jenna Elfman, and more. Katie Dean is a dear friend of mine, and we love our coffee dates to talk shop. There are literally so many things I can say about Katie. First of all, she's literally the nicest, and this is like pure, full-hearted enthusiasm and warmness. Second, her jewelry is gorgeous, her Instagram flawless. Her fashion is on point, but not only all of the above, but this girl can sell. Literally at all the GGC events and Renegade Craft Fairs, her booth is popping. She is standing up, trying things on her clients with like the largest smile on her face. So I invited her on the podcast to talk about all things selling. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. Thank you so much. And that was the nicest intro ever. I love you. (laughs) So (laughs) good to have you on. And this will just have to serve as like a public coffee date. Yes. That's great. So let's talk about how you got started in this business, like literally under the stairs, Harry Potter style. That is exactly how I describe it too, Harry Potter style. And I am a huge Harry Potter fan. So I love it when people say that. So I actually was starting to do jewelry like well after I had already done a lot of different artistic endeavors, not necessarily in a business sense, but I actually went to college for one year. I didn't end up finishing the degree, but I was studying fine art. So I was doing ceramic classes, sculpture classes, painting, interior design. And I always knew from a really young age, I was like, I want to be a working artist as my career, whatever I do in life. So I went to LA when I was 18 because I felt that I needed a bigger worldview. I needed to see how other artists were living and get inspired and just think outside the box. So when I moved, I didn't really have a plan. I did have a few friends, distant friends and family in LA. So I reached out to them and just asked if anybody had any work available. I did a lot of random jobs. I was a personal chef. I was a nanny. I was a personal assistant. I worked at a casting office. I did do a few auditions, did a few jobs. And basically right before I started making jewelry, I was working for a stylist in LA. So I would pretty much do anything that she needed. So get coffee, organize the house, organize the office, you know, very well-rounded, not just like a personal styling assistant, but an all-over assistant. And I was working really full-time, like 40 to 60 hours a week. 
And then during that time, I started to get a little burnt out and I was more so leaning in the direction of doing styling assistant work. And it was really fun. And I felt that I could grow in this job, but at the same time, there were aspects of the job that I didn't love, which was kind of like the PR side and, you know, anything in entertainment, you can get into a lot of different things involved with that world as far as like, I don't even want to say anything, but I'm sure that people can understand like you're dealing with a lot of strong personalities. So that to me wasn't very appealing, but I will say I had a great time doing it. And as I started to make jewelry, I was wearing it around. And this is one point that I think all artists should take and run with is that when I was given an opportunity, I took it. So I was wearing the jewelry and my boss really liked it. And she, we were on a shoot and she was like, yeah, can I use this stuff for, you know, what we're dressing the girls in? And I said, yes, of course. And I also had friends that were just buying the pieces off of me, which was a really good sign. But I took all these opportunities and said, yes, I was like the yes lady. And there were times when my stylist boss said, we're looking for a specific piece. I can't find anything in the showrooms. Can you just make this? And I said, yes, again. And all these things led up to promotion, publicity, trying new things, finding what worked and what didn't. And in the beginning of when I started, you know, getting placement on celebrities was a really, really helpful thing that I honestly kind of fell into, but it was because I took the opportunity. So I was doing things in the wee hours of the morning, like making the jewelry. And it was in the beginning, it definitely was purely for my own artistic well-being and to keep me grounded. And it was just, I love doing it. And then again, the business sense took place when I started saying yes to the opportunities that I was given. So that's kind of like a very (laughs) hodgepodge way of telling you how I got started. But I really did take it one step at a time, which I think is essential for anybody starting their own business. I didn't necessarily have a business plan at all, but I took it one step at a time. I was, you know, in my head, I thought this makes sense. I'm going to start doing this. First of all, I started because it made me happy and I wanted to do that. I think that's essential if you're going to start anything, especially artistic, but really, and even if you're an accountant, you have to like what you're doing in order to be successful. You have to have an interest there. And then I had friends that wanted to buy it. I looked into how much I should sell it for. My boss wanted to put it on to people. So then I got more supplies and I really just took it step by step. I did my first photo shoot. I started to build the website and it was a very, very slow process. I did get a very large order within the first three months of officially being in business because of it, of the placement on Kendall and Kylie Jenner. But that isn't, I don't even love to tell that story because it's not very common and I don't want to put false pretenses there of like what you should expect when you start a line. But I also believe that you can manifest things in your world. So like if you want to get placement on celebrities, then you can definitely make that happen. 
That's so amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And so you were literally like making this under the stairs. Tell us about your little stair studio. Yeah. So at first I was taking apart jewelry and putting it back together and I would just do like a small project on my coffee table or on my kitchen table. And then when I really got into it and I wanted to start making a collection and making multiples of something, I knew I needed a dedicated space and I lived in a three bedroom apartment and I needed to take a space that nobody else was using. So it wasn't really fair for me to take over the coffee table or take over the kitchen table. So I was like, you know what? Our utility closet under the stairs is no one's using it. There's just junk all over. If I clean it up, I don't think anybody's going to mind if I stick a tiny little thin desk in there and repaint it and just set up shop. So I literally, I don't know if I have any photos of it anymore. I used to. And after my computer crashed a few, like seven years ago, I I think I lost the photos, but it was very small. I, I built the desk inside of it because it was too long and the angle in which the door was, would open. I couldn't actually build the desk outside of it and put it inside. So I had to build a desk that was really small inside of it. And then I just put up shelves and got all my stuff organized. And that was really just like my little oasis. I loved it. And then eventually I created a bigger space, but yeah, it was very cute. I love it. So you've come a long way since then. So what does your business look like today? Can you talk a little bit about the current state of affairs? Yeah. So over the years, I really took each part of how you can run a retail shopping business and dissected it. So at first I started with online only, and I saw how the traffic that comes to your website is really dependent upon the promotion that you put out. And I would see waves of orders and then none at all, waves of orders, none at all. And then I also, at the same time, I had inquiries because of the celebrity placement. I did have buyers for wholesale reach out. I didn't even know what wholesale was, but I ended up doing wholesale orders because of the demand. And I did a lot at first and then I kind of took a step back because I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't always dependent upon buyers as far as a wholesale buyer to run my business. I wanted to make sure that I always had a direct to consumer relationship. So I'd say for a long time, I focused on the online platform. And then I did start doing events. And once I started doing events, I really saw the impact of having an in-person connection, which is interesting to say during this time when we all have to social distance, but I highly, highly recommend to any artist to do in-person events because even if you don't want that to be your business model long-term, you will learn so much. The feedback you get is incredible. You create lasting relationships. You can get people to sign up for your email newsletter. and. I really saw a huge spike in my sales when I was directly in front of someone. I also love to talk to people and I'm interested in them. So selling was nerve wracking at first, but also a bit more natural for me. So as I saw that those events were really successful, then I started going all out on events. And But just keep in mind, this was over like three to four years because I was still working a full, full-time job and juggling all these different aspects. And it was frustrating at times because 
you know, I would get a big wholesale order and then it would be like three months and nothing. And I would think, oh, why am I not getting any more wholesale orders or our online sales have been down? And it was, you know, for me, I didn't have seed money or a ton of money saved up or anything like that. So I really had to be economically smart with where I was putting my time and attention. And so that's why I had a really slow growth in the beginning, but it allowed me to look and dissect each section. And the world is always changing, like shopping patterns change, marketing changes. So it's, I'm not saying that like I mastered it all, but I did get a handle on it and I really saw what was beneficial and what was not as far as like prioritizing things. And I'm trying to think of like something tactical that your listeners could walk away with. So for me online, I highly recommend Shopify. I know there's a lot of different resources out there for creating a website like Squarespace and numerous others. But I will say that the platform of Shopify and their customer service really helped my business. And also starting an email newsletter. Now you can, there's so many more resources for email newsletters these days compared to back then, but that is such a game changer because you have to realize that after you meet these people at events and you know, you can get them into your social media and that's great. Like keep the conversation going with them on there, but you don't own that platform. Like you're, you don't own Instagram or Twitter or whatever, Facebook, you know, But if you have them on your email newsletter, that's a direct communication line to your customer. So you can get really personal and show them about your behind the scenes work and show them how your products are made, or you can run special sales with them. And it's just so valuable. And I really was lucky to have one of the graphic designers that helped me put in graphics for my website he was transitioning into an email marketing company and just kept hammering that into me. He's like, you have to start an email newsletter. Even if you don't start sending out newsletters, start collecting emails. And I think that is one thing that every business owner needs to have. Even if you only send out a quarterly, like every three months, send out a newsletter, you'll see that people do read that. They don't just let them go to spam. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. The email newsletter, I think it's very important, especially right now. Yeah. Uh, but okay, let's re- let's rewind a little bit. So let's talk about you're someone who has a very specific aesthetic on your social media and marketing content. So it matches your jewelry line. So I think there's a very interesting play there about your aesthetic matching your jewelry line. So how do you think aesthetic plays a part in your brand identity? I think it's a huge part. I say that lightly though, because I don't want someone to think, oh, I can never start if I don't know my color palette, or I can never start if I don't know everything I want to know about my brand identity. You are going to learn so much as you begin your brand and you're going to evolve. Like if you go all the way back to the beginning of my Instagram, it was completely different. So don't be afraid to just start and get into action and start posting. You can always delete them later if you really feel like it doesn't showcase your brand the way that you want it to be communicated. But I do feel that some simple things that anyone starting a brand or a business can do is in any sort of Google Doc or Word Doc or Keynote, 
like a presentation format within like a program within your computer, just start laying out key things. Like what is my color palette? How, what colors communicate the brand identity of me? What do we stand for? Who's our customer? Or, and if you haven't even started selling, who's your ideal customer? What do they gravitate towards? You know, start a Pinterest board and start pinning things and just look at what you've pinned. You know, like there's a lot of observation that's free of charge that you can do. And I think it's always valuable to look at brands that you aspire to, not to copy them, but to see like literal technical things like how do they place the text on their images? Why did I gravitate to this image? Is it the composition? Is it the colors? Is it the words? So there's a lot that you can do just by purely observing and noting them down. And I I really think in this day and age, because there's so many people out there, which is fine. There's plenty of people in the world to shop from all the brands that are out there, but you do have to make an impression within seconds. So when someone goes to my Instagram, I want them to know like I'm your customer or I'm not because I'd rather beeline it directly to my customer and speak directly to them instead of trying to cater to five different types of shoppers. So I'm very specific about how I communicate aesthetically and with words to our customer. And it has evolved over time, but also even on your website, this goes for like any platform that you're communicating on. We have very specific imagery. Our colors are cohesive within our website to our social media. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's a big deal, but I also don't think that you should stop or not start because you don't have all the answers. Absolutely. I like how you said observation is free. And I think that's, a great way to look at your brand building practice. And I like to call it a practice because exactly what you said that you have to start somewhere. So it's going to grow and it's going to expand and contract and change and all sorts of things. So I think it really is sort of this watching over your own reaction to your brand and also how your customers interact with your brand. And I like that, you know, just see what you pin on your Pinterest. I think that's a great insight to what what you like and what you're attracted to. And ultimately you are your ideal customer. So you want to attract people like you. Yeah. And if you're ever going to ask somebody for their opinion, I'm all about surveying your friends and family, but also don't ask your uncle who's, you know, 65 and doesn't shop for clothing or accessories to evaluate your site. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's also a logic that goes into surveying and observation and collecting data. So ask your five friends that are current avid online shoppers, like, Hey, how did you, how was the user experience on our website? Or, you know, if let's say your uncle is your target demographic because he's going to be shopping for his wife online. Okay, fine. Great. Get his opinion. And it's totally okay to pepper in certain things like that because you do also want your website to be user-friendly enough to cater to everybody, but at the same time, like pick and choose so that you get relevant information. Like if let's say that you were going to run a Facebook ad, you wouldn't just be like, you know, let's target everybody in the world because not everybody is your customer. You would specifically go to like, for me, women between the ages of 28 and 35 who 
online shop and like accessories, you know? So I think that's worth being said too, so that you're not getting critical data back that's not actually pertinent to who you're trying to serve as a business. Yeah, I I think that's great. I think that's hilarious about your uncle. Um, (laughs) You want to survey people who might be your customer. But I also think it's interesting because essentially you and I have very similar customers, but our aesthetic is very different. And so I think there's a lot of ways that you can target a different, like a very similar group of people in different ways. So I think absolutely. Yeah, there, absolutely. There's always crossover. And I think that one of the best things that you can do is stay true to yourself and true to your vision and not try to be the brand that you, you know, love because what makes you unique is your, these like tiny little details that you put into your wording or your copy or your images, like, and people love that, you know? So that's beautiful. I love having, I definitely think that our customers are the same, but also like we are different and that is perfect and totally fine. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you're someone who recently made a personal account, but you've been using pictures of yourself in your brand social media marketing, at least since I've known you. So where does your personal account come into play now? And also, what is the importance of showing your face off into your audience? This is a great question. When I first started my personal Instagram, I was like, oh, I'm going to like put up a bunch of things about like what I'm wearing and, you know, kind of make it an an extension of the brand. And then I really, after a while, I kind of got a little bit, I'm trying to search for the right word. I enjoyed it, but it was becoming another job. And it was also pulling my attention that should have been, in my opinion, time well spent for myself and my business on my business over to my personal account, which in my opinion, there's so many, this is such a unique and personal thing for each person. But for me, I didn't feel like it was worthwhile for me to try to create a brand of myself on my personal Instagram. So I actually went from a less, I was very curated in the beginning and I've gone to a more relaxed, real vibe. Also because I personally feel that I enjoy seeing the real side of other people and especially when you're going behind the brand to like that owner, like Leandra Medine, I believe is her name. And she does a really fun Instagram and she has like her own kind of like news outlet online. It's her blog. She used to be called the man eater, I believe. Anyways, she's in New York and I love how raw she is. She's just so funny does not care at all what other people think. She's so out there. And I love, I like can't get enough of her content. And I feel that in Katie Dean Jewelry, I am who I am and I'm real and I do show my face to the customer and I love that relationship. But on the personal side, I felt that I wasn't being that real. And I'm, I honestly don't spend that much time on my personal Instagram, but 
I just decided that for me and my own fulfillment and happiness, like I don't want to have to be stressed out over like, does my color scheme match? And like, is this picture relevant? You know what I mean? Like I just wanted to have fun with my personal Instagram. So it's not something that I'm like actively monetizing. I'd rather use it for just like personal fulfillment and fun, but I've seen a lot of people do it the opposite way. Like there are tons of other brands that I know where the founder is like a blogger and, you know, is an affiliate person and makes commissions off of things with their personal Instagram. And I'm like, Hey, more power to you. I just personally don't, I'd rather not put my time and energy into that right now, but in the future I might. So yeah. And so how, so how is it showing your face on Katie Dean jewelry then? Uh Uh-huh. Do you feel like it adds something to that account? Do you notice a difference in engagement between, you know, the cute pictures of you frolicking in Italy versus (laughs) Yeah. So I, in the beginning, purely from a cost perspective, really did almost all the product photography myself as far as like me wearing the jewelry, just because it was really expensive to get models and you know, just like their contracts and stuff like that. And lately I've gone in the past like year, we've transitioned to more studio photography and that is purely a business thing in regards to, you know, not even business necessarily only it's, I wanted to be more inclusive. Like I didn't want somebody to look at my brand and be like, Oh, it's a white girl brand, blonde haired, blue eyed. You know what I mean? Like I wanted somebody who's African-American or Chinese or Indian to be like, oh yeah, I can see myself in that. You know, I mean, I'm married to a Chinese man. Like I am definitely, I love everyone in this world. So I didn't want people to think I wasn't being inclusive. And that was something that I really wanted to do for a long time. It was just purely an economical thing that financially I couldn't afford to have models be a part of the line all the time. So I did a lot of my own product photography, but I will say during COVID, I've actually been doing the model photography on myself because obviously we can't be doing shoots right now. So with all that said, I do think that showing who you are as the brand or the person behind the brand is very important. Like I am starting to do live Instagrams and I think that really is such a relationship and connection builder, even though I don't have like a ton of people join in when I do them. I want to talk to that one person. If it's one person on there, let's have a conversation. Let me show you the jewelry. You know, like you build a brand one by one, not by trying to appeal to the masses. You know what I mean? So I, yeah, to come full circle, I definitely think that you should do photo shoots or do selfies and show who you are behind the brand. I think that it just really creates a special connection between you and your customer. So absolutely. So this is something that you sort of leverage in person as well at the craft fairs. You've said before that you know that you can sell your jewelry the best. So when we are at events together, your space is always packed and you always huge smile on your face and you always like we run into each other at the bathroom and you're like I haven't eaten all day (laughs) the restroom (laughs) you're so like on at your booth so what makes you such a good seller in person and do you have any tips for our audience for you know when we're back to selling in person 
You know, I would say that you always want to be attentive when you're in person. You want to like, think about when you go into a store, you don't want to be bombarded, but you also want to be welcomed. Like so many times I've walked into a store and the person is behind the counter reading a book or looking at their phone or just literally just not looking at you. And I walk out being like, Oh, cute stuff, but yeah. All right, cool. And I never think about them again. Whereas compared to when I walk into a store, the person greets me, they're like, how's your day going? Is there anything you're looking for? And maybe that's it. Maybe that's the only thing you guys say to each other. But I just remember, wow, they, it was so nice. It was such a great experience being in that store. Having a booth at a craft fair is the exact same thing as having a actual brick and mortar store. You are making an impression on these customers. And again, just like social media, they're going to make a split decision on who you are and who your brand is. So if you're looking down at your feet or your phone and not looking your customers in the eye, even if they're not customers, but you see people and it's not like I'm looking out into the crowd, like, let me make eye contact the entire time, but I'm not a robot, but I'm also, I'm available. They can tell by my the way I hold my body and how I'm, you know, the presence that I hold at my booth, they can tell that they can approach me and ask me a question. And, you know, it's, it really affects who you are in their eyes. And, you know, there's obviously very simple things that you can do in order to prepare for a craft fair, like make sure you get eight hours of sleep the night before eat a good breakfast or have your coffee beforehand. Don't, you know, wait until the last second to get there. Believe me, I've had my fair share of like cutting it a little too close, but whenever I make sure that I'm there with ample time, I feel so grounded and my customers can tell. And it's just like, you know, you're really creating an effect on these people, like whether or not you believe that you are. So like, maybe they're not going to buy from you right now, but they'll see your logo, look you up online, and they could become a customer the next day or in six months. So I think that as much as possible, really portray an approachable, friendly vibe to these people because you're creating your business and your future income from that. And so what are some things... We obviously don't have any in-person shows right now. I know that you had a bunch of shows that you were planning for that didn't happen all over the US. So what are some things that you are doing to boost sales virtually right now? So I just started, like I said earlier, some Instagram live videos, actually Renegade Craft Fair. I got an email from them saying like, hey, we're going to take the fair online. And I was like, who knows how this is going to turn out, but okay, I'll sign up for it. And it was very nerve wracking. I was so nervous before I started my first Instagram live, but I am so glad that I had Renegade to hold me accountable because after I did my first few Instagram lives, now I'm doing them like, I mean, it was just last weekend that I did my first one, but I've done two already this week. And it is such an amazing free tool that you have to connect with your customers. So that's one thing I've started doing. And then also just making sure that we're constantly 
putting up new content to let people know that we're open. We've offered now on our site, all US orders are shipping for free, which I actually just attended a seminar about an online seminar about conversions on your website. And one of the top things that stops someone from actually checking out on your site is charging shipping. So we may potentially, I mean, if your brand can like, you know, afford to offer free shipping that you have to look at that as well, but we may continue to offer free shipping regardless of whether or not COVID-19 is going on or not. But that's really helped to make it more accessible. We have run some sales. We've been emailing more to our email newsletter list and we've been making it more relevant content. So it's not tone deaf and, you know, we want to make sure that people understand, like, we know that everybody's going through a hard time. Like we're here for you, you know, we're going to keep our positive attitude, but I'm kind of, I really am trying to hit our customers with positive content in the platforms that we use and consistently. So yeah, I think that that's a no brainer probably for a lot of brands and you should be doing that throughout the year, but especially now because you can't do in-person events and sell even for brick and mortars, you know, that had to close their doors. It's like, get online, you know, start communicating. Even if it's for five people, those five people could go and then tell their sister, their brother, their friends about your brand and then word of mouth, you know? So yeah. Okay. So first of all, what are you doing on your lives right now? For right now, I've started doing various things actually. In the beginning, I was just showing our customers how to use our downloadable and printable ring sizer guide. And a lot of people I think have taken advantage of that because they can't come in person and find out what their ring size is. And that's like a big barrier to someone shopping online for rings is they're like, I don't know my size. So I pretty much go over that almost every single time I'm on an Instagram live, just so that someone knows that we have that resource available for them and it's free. And then I've gone over the necklace size guide and then Let's see. What are the other things? I Oh, I've gone over our best sellers for the week, gone over new collections that we're releasing, the packaging so that a person knows how they're going to receive it and what to expect. And we, I usually always go over any type of like promotions or specials. So for example, we offer 20% off the first order or a customer's first order when they sign up for our email newsletter. So I always mention that. And then we have another customer, actually a returning customer special. And that's if they get $75 or more of jewelry, they can use the code gift to get a free jewelry case with their order. And it's not combinable with other promotions. So I always mention those two things. And then I tell them, if you're on our email newsletter list, we're going to be running different specials throughout COVID-19 to make the jewelry more accessible and add, you know, that golden sparkle to everybody's day. So sign up for our email newsletter. Otherwise you might not hear about these cool specials that we're doing. Love that. And then also, so what was this seminar about website conversions? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this is one of the reasons I love Shopify because they do, you can book one-on-one consultations with them literally like every week if you want to, and you can go over any pain points that you're experiencing on your site. And they offer a ton of free workshops and they're like all in webinar format. And then there's a lot of live ones. So I check all the emails that I get from Shopify. And one of them was this conversion online conversion webinar. So I hopped into it and immediately these people gave me, I actually, they said, you know, 
email me or message me your website if you want to get a breakdown of your website during the live webinar. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go for it. And during one of the seminars, they did select my website. So they immediately told me like, hey, these pop-ups shouldn't be popping up immediately when we come to your website. That's going to cause people to leave. You need to optimize your images better so that it loads faster. Like They gave me very tactical information that I went and changed like almost the same day. And it's like, the information is there. I know it's hard. Sometimes like I lack motivation too. It's not like every day I wake up and I'm like, let me conquer this day. But as much as possible, I know that I am in control of my emotions and my stamina. So I really try to to tune into these things. And again, knowledge is free if you know where to look. Like I don't think all knowledge is created equally. So I am very selective of where I go to get my information. But Shopify for me is one of the best resources. And I have completely changed and benefited from the online and webinars that they provide. So yeah, our conversion rate has gone up a hundred percent since the beginning of this pandemic. So in March we were doing certain specials and running certain things and our conversion rate was okay. And then I've been reading a bunch of articles and doing webinars and I've changed a bunch of things on the site and Also, we've offered free shipping and done certain specials, but our conversion rate has increased 100%. So just know that if you do put in the work, you can can create positive changes and you don't need a programmer that costs $150 an hour to do these website changes. (laughs) Amazing. That's like... That's really positive news for some of us who have maybe been struggling with online sales. I think the free shipping thing is really interesting and that's something that I don't offer right now. And that's something I've been sort of thinking about. And maybe there's a way to sort of build it into the prices. But what do you think the number one thing was that has caused your conversions to go up? Do you think it's the free shipping or the deals? It's been a few things. Absolutely, the free shipping has helped. Like, there's no question about that that has changed people's pattern of buying on our site. And also, or is it above a certain amount? No, it's literally you could buy a $20 ring and we're going to ship it to you for free. So, it is a hit for us when we get those really low order minimums, but. I'm investing in the customer. That's how I look at it. Because if they get that one product and they love it, they're going to come back and get three more rings or a necklace, or they're going to get something for their mom or their sister. So like I, for a long time, did not offer free shipping or selectively did it because I was like, I don't know if I can financially handle this, but at the same time, it's like, okay, if the world is going to be moving towards online shopping more and more, like let's give this a shot. And it really helped us. One thing, if you can't offer free shipping is that I learned from this webinar is you should install an app that counts down how much they need to add to their cart in order to get free shipping, because that's like a psychological thing. So if somebody knows I have to spend $50 to get free shipping, but they have a $40 shirt in their cart. If you say you get free shipping in 10 with 10 more dollars of merchandise, they, these experts said like, they will start adding to their cart. They might not check out, but you're going to get your order value up and get people to take advantage of that free shipping. So 
you know, that's something that we might incorporate as well once, you know, things are back to normal, but for now it works for us. And the other thing that really helped is we added a little banner to the cart page and it only pops up if they're going to be shipping within the U.S. I think it's, I don't know, somehow they calculate it based on their IP address, like where they're, they're shopping from their computer, but it'll say, your order qualifies for free US shipping and ships out within one business day. And that was another point that came from this webinar is they said that if the customer knows and can predict when their order will ship or when it will arrive, it gives them peace of mind and they will check out faster. So if you think about it, like on Amazon, let's say if you're going to order printer paper and you're like, oh, I need this by Friday. If it says it's going to arrive by Friday, you're going to probably just pull the trigger and do it. But if they, if you order it and it says like, we'll arrive in three to five business days, you might just go to the store and get it. You know what I mean? So there is definitely a psychological thing that goes into that. And it's really easy to do. So either putting up some, you could just you don't even need it to be a pop-up banner. You could just have it on your cart page, like, you know, free U.S. shipping on all orders, no order minimum or whatever you're going to say, and orders are shipping within one business day. So I think all of that has really helped. We also moved on all the other pages besides the cart page. We moved our first-time customer special up to the top of the page. It used to be in the corner, but on mobile, we after we evaluated the user experience, sometimes it's not as noticeable. So we moved it to the top of the page and that has been the number one driver of sales. So that's been really helpful too. That's all amazing info. And it's just these tiny little things that sort of help the psychological like impact of the person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or order. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. <laughs> Well, those are really good tips. And I'm sort of, I'm, we're doing a w- website rebuild right now. So I'm sort of thinking about what I can integrate into our new website. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, the, and you use the Shopify shipping, right? I do. Yeah. There's definitely other services out there. And I think it really depends on what you're shipping and like how much you're shipping. But I just, I love how it integrates into our site and it's so easy. So I just do it. Nice. And then you have like a scale. So you weigh your packages or your packages all sort of, all sort of weigh the same. They basically weigh the same. Yeah. We, I, I overestimate it slightly just in case there's an order that has like a few more pieces or two boxes instead of one. But for the most part, we have a very like set range of the weight of a package. Amazing. Let's see. So yeah. So you have a very decent following, almost 60 K. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've built that following and some insight on what you contribute contribute your social media success to? Yeah. So in the beginning, obviously the celebrity placement really helped. So that was just, I mean, also that was eight years ago. So Instagram was a very different place back then. It was the timeline format where literally everything you posted, someone would see whoever was following you, which I loved. And it was just easier to get more followers at that time. And then ever since that whole platform has changed and evolved, we've really relied on influencers. And right now, because our resources are very limited, I don't do as much, you know, influencer partnerships. I don't pay them to post, but we offer like commissions through reward style. And we also do giveaways with our bloggers. So 
let's say that we wanted to like during the start of COVID-19, I was like, whoa, our traffic is so down and people are freaking out. And I thought, how can we help our customer to a put some positivity into their life just so that people can like, you know, get out of being, you know, watching the news and getting upset and B, how can we make it so that both the blogger and myself as a brand benefit from having the eyeballs on us, you know? So I thought, let's do giveaways. And we partnered up with probably like 10 different bloggers and they staggered them out and they hosted giveaways on their profiles. And we just called it what it was. We were like, Hey, we're doing a giveaway to spread positivity throughout this. And, you know, tell us something that you're grateful for and tag two friends and you'll be entered to win a gift card to katydanejewelry.com. So that really helped. And that can be applied like throughout the year, even when this is all over. So, you know, once a month, if you can withstand it, you know, cause it is it is an expense, you know, you're going to have to pay for the materials and the shipping costs and stuff. And then typically you need to gift the influencer blogger something so that they can promote with their own content, like take photos and promote your pieces. But if you can withstand that financial, you know, commitment, I highly recommend that stuff because it gets people looking at you and it's very low cost in comparison to like doing Facebook ads or, you know, various things that cost a lot more money for marketing. And it's things like that, that have really grown my brand. I've also really utilized hashtags. So like, let's say that you can't financially commit to giving out your product to bloggers to review or to do giveaways with. Another great thing is just use hashtags. Those are completely free. There's one little life hack that you can use is put in the hashtag, like hashtags are essentially your keywords. So if you know like what people are searching within Google to get to your site, use those words. So for me, it's dainty jewelry. You know, that's exactly what my brand is. So if you type in your keyword, let's say, you know, leather sandals, let's say for summer coming up and you do that in the hashtag section of Instagram, it's going to pop up a million other hashtags that people are already searching for if they've searched that particular keyword. And that is so useful. Like you can literally just go on there and do that for your five keywords and get five other keywords that relate to your keywords and use those as hashtags. And I got to say, like when I, I can really testify that those hashtags make a huge difference on your exposure online. When I don't use them, let's say like on my personal Instagram, I've tested this. When I don't use hashtags on my personal posts, I get like 80 to 120 likes. When I use hashtags on my personal posts, I get like 200 to 300 likes. So your your exposure is wildly increased just by using hashtags. And another life hack is like, just put copy and paste these hashtags into your notes on your phone so that you don't constantly have to redo them every time. Give them titles, you know, use like, if you're going to do shirts, this is my t-shirt one. This is the pink t-shirt one. This is for travel. So you don't have to spend like a million things. You also as a brand and business owner have to be very conscious of like where you're putting your time and energy. So work smarter, not harder. And I've really tried to apply that to my business, especially this year and prioritizing tasks that are actually going to be very effective in a shorter period of time versus like trying to do a million things and not doing them well. 
So I've applied that with our social media and tried to make it as streamlined as possible, which leads me to a few other tips that I have for people, which is especially regarding like the cohesiveness of your brand online, use an app. They're usually free or they're a very minimal cost monthly. Two that I love, one that's free is preview. You just load up your photos and literally you can switch them around, make sure that they look good next to each other. You can write in your captions, you can put in your hashtags if you want. And that just helps you to be more efficient day to day. And then there's another one called Planoly. That one is a paid app, but that one is great for like making sure that you know how many hashtags you have in it. And it's a little different than preview, but both serve a great purpose to helping you plan and be efficient with your social media. So you just went right into my next question, but that's perfect. So are you someone who plans your feed at the beginning of the week or at the beginning of the month or sort of daily? How does sort of what is your social media action plan like? Yeah, this is a great question. And I think a lot of different brands do it differently. A lot of brands do this differently. Some people really like to do their entire month ahead of time. And then other people do it daily, do it weekly. I prefer to do it weekly because I feel that my mood and what I want to say or what I want to promote changes from week to week. If I try to do it monthly, I feel a little disconnected with what I'm communicating, but Hey, if you can plan out your content that far in advance, like more power to you. So for me, I usually do it constantly. Like I'm on our apps pretty much every day. And as I take more like pictures and have more content coming through, I'll add it in to these plat, these specific apps that I use for planning our social media. But yeah, I, I think at the very least do three posts ahead of time. And that's, I think really tangible for people. It's not overwhelming because when somebody says like, okay, plan a month of content, like 25 posts, let's say like, that's a lot. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by that and don't have the content to really suffice doing a strategy like that, just do three days in advance. And if it changes, it changes. You don't have to stick to it, but it will definitely increase your productivity. And again, look on Pinterest, look on other brands that you really admire and just see how are they communicating? What are they communicating? And, you know, inspiration plays a lot into that and just put your own personal spin on it. Well, Katie, this has been so informative and I'm inspired myself to make some changes. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yes. So you can find us online at katiedeanjewelry.com and our Instagram as well. We're really active on that. So that's katiedeanjewelry. And those are the main two platforms that we use that we're really active on. You can also find us on Facebook at Katie Dean Jewelry as well, but we would love to have you be a part of our community, sign up for our email newsletter, check out our blog for fun resources. And, you know, we just want to make your, your life more golden. So we'd love to have you be a part of it. And we'll be putting all that information in the show notes as well. So direct links to check out her jewelry. Okay. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. So by the end of this episode, I hope you've grown to love Katie as much as I do. Her jewelry, just like her, brings such a dazzling light to my day. I personally have a few of her pieces, and even during Shelter in Place, I've been adorning myself with these necklaces, and I swear they match with my t-shirt and sweats, uh, just so I can feel a little bit more put together. 
Katie is nice enough to give you all 20% off. So use code GIRLGANG20 on her site to get 20% off and of course, free shipping. I just got a few new pieces from her myself, loving my beaded coin necklace and the beaded hoop earrings. She also just launched a new birthstone collection, which is a perfect gift or, of course, a nice little treat for yourself. Head to katiedeanjewelry.com with the code GIRLGANG20 to add some sparkles to your day. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft podcast. Head to girlgangcraft.com slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.